What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Film Code. We got a very special episode for you today. It's a side segment. We are joined by TikTok star Dylan Av. If you're on Movie TikTok, even if you're not on Movie TikTok, I'm sure you've seen some of his content. We are so happy to have him. Dylan, how you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We are so blessed to have you here on the show. Thank you so much for coming on and joining us. My name's Ethan Pig. I'm joined by Nick. Nick, how are you doing? Doing well. Super excited to do another side segment. Great. Well, Dylan, can kind of talk about your TikTok fame and how crazy you've been doing all, all over the internet. So t- take it away. Yeah. Um, so I guess it started, you know, I've been a fan of movies for just like such a long time. Uh, when I was growing up, I actually moved around a lot. And so like my main form of like entertainment was like watching movies and when I didn't really have nothing much to do when I moved. Um, so yeah, I got really into film and I just wanted to keep knowing more. I wanted to keep seeing more movies, different movies. Um, it was just really a great rabbit hole for me to dive into. Um, and, you know, I was like really into like, you know, big stuff specifically like superhero movies, like The Dark Knight or like Spider-Man, all those Star Wars, great titles uh but you know i wanted to dive deeper i didn't want to just know the big ones um so yeah that's like when i like i would say around like sixth grade i started like just really getting into film uh and then when i got to high school i uh joined my television station that they had in the high school where like you can do like all these types of cool segments and they had the news and stuff like that for like school news events uh and i did film reviews which is super embarrassing looking back on it now, <laughs> uh, because I, I can't even watch them. They're so cringe. Uh, it hurts my soul to see them. But oh, yeah, on YouTube, was, can we find them somewhere? Oh yeah, you could definitely find them somewhere. <laughs> they they still exist. Um, but um, yeah, no, that's when I started like talking about movies and like sharing it with other people, um, and I really enjoyed it. But I like had ambition to become a filmmaker at one point so it was just like a hobby at that um and then you know I went to college decided to go to college for something different and just was more of like a oh you know if I see a movie I want to see I'll go see it in the theater you know like I really enjoy you know going to my local theaters and you know also the big franchises as well you know I, I like to support them all Um, But also, I, you know, worked on some film sets with my friends, and I had a lot of friends who were film majors, so I definitely, that definitely kept that passion alive. Um, And then I graduated, and, you know, I had, you know, tried in the past to do, like, film stuff on social media, but nothing ever really took off. 
um, it was very minimal. Like I remember one time getting 500 views on one of my YouTube videos and being like, wow, I hit it. I hit the big leagues right here. Uh, but you know, never anything like substantial. Um, and then, you know, I had heard about an app called TikTok, and, you know, I, a lot of it was like, oh, it's just for kids, you know, like you don't want to be on that. I had actually seen a lot of like bad TikTok propaganda that was just yeah, like, don't TikTok, get on TikTok that app. Propaganda and TikTok, like marketing, like two years ago was obnoxious. I was like, I'm not joining that. Right, right. So I was like very apprehensive about even joining it. Um, and I had no plans of doing anything with it as well. I, it was just, you know, being recommended to me a lot. Um, so I decided one day to just download the app. Um, and, uh, you know, I put Dylan.av uh, and, you know, I didn't think much of it. You know, I started, you know, just watching videos. That was about it. I was much, I was very much a lurker uh, and, you know, didn't do anything. Uh, and then, you know, I just started seeing content that I really appreciated and wanted to do myself. So I was seeing like a lot of Star Wars content and I was like, oh man, I'd love to make videos about Star Wars and stuff like that. So um, I had recently started dating my girlfriend then, who is still my girlfriend now, uh, but she, she had never seen the Star Wars movies before. And this was mind blowing to me, but uh, before I showed them to her, cause she wanted to watch them with me and I wanted to show them to her. It was an exciting part of the relationship for me. Uh, but um, yeah, I remember doing like, okay, right before I show them to her, I'm gonna just do a little small prank. So um, I printed out a picture of Obi-Wan Kenobi from Attack of the Clones, you know, with like the long hair and everything like that and the robes. And uh, I supersized it and put it on her wall. Um, and she came in and I was like, who do you think that is? And she responded, Jesus. And that was like, you know, I wasn't expecting her to say anything. <laughs> that was really funny. So I posted it and it got like 100,000 views. And I had no idea it was ever going to get there. You know, up until then, I think the most I'd ever experienced it, experienced was like 1,000 views. And that was because I posted like one of my dog. Um, <laughs> so there was like no talent behind it whatsoever. Uh, so yeah, it was really shocking that that happened. And I got like that taste of success. And I was just like, I, I want to do more. Uh, but, you know, I, I didn't really know what to do from that point. You know, at, the, at that point, I was like, maybe I'll put Darth Vader on her wall and see what she says about that. But there was like, you know, no plans for like a film talk account until I started seeing film talk accounts pop up. And, you know, like Straw Hat Goofy um, was a big influence. And I saw like a whole lot of different you know film edits that I was like wow that's amazing like I want to do stuff involving movies so um I just started talking about movies that I would recommend you watch on Netflix and it started out very unsuccessful I think the first one I did originally only got like a hundred views um and you know I was just like even I was apprehensive about even continuing it because I was just like are do people even really want to see this like uh it, but then I, I posted uh, a part two and that just took off unexpectedly as well. Uh, and that's actually still my like most popular video. It's at 1.2 million views. Wow, um, that's crazy. And that was, I never had planned to have something happen like that. Like I was totally thinking that, you know, it was just gonna be like the rest of my social media attempts with movies, you know, just like, oh, you know, I enjoy doing it, but no one else, you know, really wants to hear about it. Um, 
so yeah, I started doing like a lot of film-based content and Dylan.av, you know, had my personal account, had a few more viral videos and I developed quite a following. Uh, I think right now I'm at about 34,000 followers on that account, which is so meaningful uh, and so crazy because, you know, I never expected to ever get to like a hundred followers. Um, so it was actually really scary at first because I had never expected that amount of attention. Um, and it's just like, you're getting all these comments. Like, I still think I get comments from that video today. Um, and, you know, it's overwhelming at first, you know, you're, you're not expecting it and you think you want it. And then you're like, holy, this is just so overwhelming. Uh, but, you know, eventually, you know, not all videos do that well. Uh, so, you know, I've definitely had some hits and misses, you know, like, uh, so it, it's been, you know, a rocky road, you know, some success, but, you know, ultimately, um, it's just been a really fun learning experience. And I've met so many people that I just really enjoy talking to, you know, uh, that's why I originally started it was to, you know, get to know people who are just as passionate about film as I am and, you know, have great conversations. And I've met so many cool people on TikTok. Like, I'm so sorry I ever felt any negative emotions to it in the past because I've met some truly awesome people that I really value their opinions. Um, so that's mainly why I started the first account. But then um, recently, you know, I've been seeing a lot of like film talk houses pop up. Um, and, you know, I've applied to a few of them, a few of them, and uh, I never got in. And, you know, no disappointment there. Like, you know, it, it is what it is. You know, you either, get in or you don't and that's what happens in life with like about everything like jobs uh, groups and everything uh so you know but then I was like after I had applied to my second one and had no success I was like why don't I just start my own uh with a group of friends that I really appreciate and you know we could all be equal you know like we'd all you know make content for it and there wouldn't be one main person or anything like that it'd just be like a friendly group where we make content together um, so I messaged a few of my friends. Uh, one is Legend Edits 12. And then I also talked to Top Lists 69, who's also had a lot of success on TikTok. He's got some great lists. Um, and then we've got Movie Rank, I think it's Movie Rankings 32. Uh, he's great as well. Uh, and then we've got Olivia Jordan, who just joined. Uh, so we've got a great group. Uh, just people very passionate about film. Um, and, you know, also this was another thing that I was like never expecting to take off. You know, it was just supposed to be like a, a fun thing where, you know, creators got together and made content together. But um, yeah, we've recently had a lot of success with that account and I'm, I'm really proud of it. Well, between your two accounts, your personal and Cinema Nation, you have 78,000 followers on TikTok combined. And Crazy. that is just phenomenal out of this world. So I would say that's that's a lot of success for sure. Yeah, no, I'm I, so appreciative of it. Uh, yeah, like it's crazy that that's I even got there. Um, I wasn't expecting it at all. And I'm just so thankful to, you know, have all these people who want to talk about movies with me. Yeah, and I think the great thing, honestly, about TikTok more than any other platform is that your average Joe can make a popular video and, and go viral. I mean, my my girlfriend and I, we made a TikTok on her account and it got like 1 million views and 100,000 likes just by going to Aldi and getting an advent calendar for wine. 
you know, and it blew up. And yeah. I think she has like, it's stuff. unlike anything I've seen before. Like, yeah, it, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's, you can literally have two followers make a video and it go viral. And I feel like on YouTube, if you have two subscribers, you're going to get like 10 views, you know, so it's TikTok, so hard to yeah, do exactly. well on other accounts, specifically like Instagram. Yeah. Like I tried on Instagram for a while. Um, and you know, not nothing, you know, just like, I remember I started a podcast with my friend a, a few years ago and like, we tried so hard to make it work. Uh, and we tried to make it like big on Instagram, but it never had success. And this was actually like around the time TikTok was really getting famous. So I don't know why we didn't attempt that, but, uh, you know, yeah, it just was really frustrating and very discouraging on other platforms. Uh, like you'd put a lot of effort into something and have really high hopes about it and think, wow, I've got something special here. And then, you know, nothing. And then you have something on TikTok where like, you don't even have to put effort that much effort into it. Yeah. And you can go to sleep and then the next morning, you know, boom, like a hundred thousand views and there's no rhyme or reason to it. It's just this algorithm that's, yeah, you know, random people. Yeah. So when you're looking to create content, one of my favorite series of videos you do is uh, supporting actors that were, were outshine or that outshined the leads. That's one of my favorite series you do among your great page, but when you're creating content and thinking about it, what, what's that process like? Right. Um, I write a lot of scripts. So, you know, at first I start out with a list idea, such as the supporting actors that stole the show. Um, and I think about movies that where is a movie where, wow, that's not the lead performance, but that is like what carries the movie to me. Um, and a lot of my videos are solely based on my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, a lot of people have problems with opinions on TikTok. Like, you know, you say one opinion of a, that you believe and then someone's like, you're wrong. I'm like, oh, it's okay. You know, like you can disagree. I, I don't care. Like, you know, it's just my opinion. But uh, yeah, I would just say I think about films that I personally really enjoy and, you know, think a supporting performance really shined. Um, and I write them all down, you know, and it could be a list of five, like it is, or it could be like a list of 50. Uh, and then I like, I break it down based off of my favorites. Sometimes, you know, I'll rewatch a movie just to, you know, be able to get more of a sense of like the performance or the movie itself. Um, and then I just do a lot of writing on how I feel about the movie and what impacted me about the movie. Um, and, you know, then I cut it all down and I edit it. And once I have a script that I feel like I can do in under a minute, um, I do a bunch of takes on TikTok. And, you know, I can go through several different drafts. Like it can take either one try or it can take several. Um, but then, you know, once I feel happy with it, you know, I add some music that I really like. And yeah, it's really simple, uh, but um, it is a lot of work surprisingly, you know, like it doesn't seem like, oh, you just got to write a few movies down, write your thoughts on them. But then, you know, you have 10 movies and you have to write all different thoughts about them. And, you know, like they, it can't be too repetitive and, yeah. you know, it's, it's hard sometimes. And I sometimes spend a lot of nights just like spending like two, three hours perfecting like a list. But once the list is done and I have like all the images I want to use, like that's the most of the work right there. And so usually I film the next day um, and that doesn't take too long whatsoever. You know, if I have everything prepared, 
Um, so yeah, it's, it's a process I've pro like uh, made perfect over time. I did not start out that way. I think I started out just like talking to the camera, you know, blank improvisation, you know, <laughs> just thinking what I thought. But now I'm much more like I want to know what I want to say before, you know, I say it. Um, so yeah, it's been hard perfecting that. But eventually it's gotten to where I want to be, where I'm like very comfortable doing it now. And I feel like, you know, I have a process that I stick by and it works for me. But, you know, everyone's different. And, you know, I've seen a lot of TikTokers out there who definitely have a different approach to TikTok than I do. And that's always way more mind blowing to me because I'm like, wow, I approached it from this angle, but you approached it from a completely different angle that I didn't even think about. Um, so it's been really amazing seeing like other work on TikTok. And that sometimes inspires me to, you know, make adjustments to my process. Yeah, I was going to say, I think TikTok is the only social media platform that Film Code is not on. So, I mean, maybe we got to look into getting a TikTok going. So that would, that would be- Oh yeah, there's, um, there's some great podcasts on TikTok that do really great content. And, you know, I've, I follow that. I know uh, I follow Raiders of the Lost Part podcast. Yeah, I follow them uh, Which is, they're pretty big on there. Um, and I've been like a follower of theirs since I think they began. Um, I love their content and that's definitely just like been an inspiration to mine as well. Um, and they've really taken off. They're really huge. You know, they've made really huge uh, name for themselves on TikTok. So I think it's a great thing for anything you do. Like if you're someone on YouTube who wants more attention on their YouTube, you know, make a TikTok from a clip of your YouTube clip and that can take off and lead to traffic on your YouTube page if you link it in the bio and stuff like that. So um, I also think it's great for like businesses too, who like want to get their products out there and don't have like yeah. the necessary means to do like traditional marketing or anything like that. Yeah, I was gonna say, I've seen so many like small businesses just like explode on TikTok because they've, they've gone viral. So we gotta, we gotta look into the TikTok room. We got, we got a uh, best 100 movies poster sitting over in the oh yeah that's a great thing you could do over there that's a lot like of fun. 50 in, so i think our next 50 we can do some highlights give our rankings maybe i'd love to see you on tiktok i would definitely follow you because yeah go. i've yeah go for it let's we'll, do it we'll we'll have our our meeting you've inspired us we've got a huge supporter in our corner for that um so i will definitely uh be doing stitches with you guys if you uh if you come on tiktok yeah we can't turn that down yeah really. we can't turn that down um so i was curious what was your favorite you know well i guess let me preface this by saying i'm a big believer in favorites and best are two different things you know your favorite actor could be someone that you know isn't necessarily the most talented person in the world same for sports you know your favorite sports team might be 500 you know they're not the best but they're still your favorite so what what was your favorite movie of 2020 and if it was a different movie for best what was your best movie for right. you see i'm a little bit different where i think that as long as you say in my opinion this is okay. what i think is the best i think you're entitled to say that because if it's the best to you then that's all that really matters you know in the end at the end of the day um but i get what you're totally saying like some favorites might not not necessarily be the best like i really like the movie speed racer but i am not going to say it's the <laughs> best film of all time um but yeah i get that so um i think the movie that probably is my favorite and you're asking for 2020 right yeah, yeah. just just this past year releases but right 
I really loved Soul. Like Soul just like yes, knocked it out of the park. It just totally had me hooked from the beginning. Um, and, you know, an animated movie is not usually my first pick of the year. Uh, you know, I've had a lot of favorites in the past where I'm like, oh, this movie's definitely got to be on like the top 10, but I wouldn't rank it first. But yeah, Soul was like totally unexpectedly amazing to me. Um, and one of my, one I, I think one of the best Pixar movies in years. Um, I thought, you know, I love Pixar. They're great. Uh, but recently I've been, you know, thinking that, you know, the films released between like 2000 and 2010 were like the pinnacle of Pixar. And then after that, you know, it just kind of changed for me. I got older and the movies just weren't as, you know, special anymore. But Soul has been like one of those movies where I'm like, wow, that is just as special as like Up or Toy Story or anything like that, to me at least. So I would definitely say Soul. Yes. Love for Soul. Love for Soul. Love it. But, um, I was going to say Pixar, Nathan and I are about to do a Pixar like watch through. Um, something that we love to do is like do like director binges where we like start a filmography and go all the way through. We're about to do Edgar Wright. Um, but yeah, we're about to do our Pixar binge and we're on Finding Nemo. But yeah, Soul, fantastic. Love, love the love for Soul. You, you weren't too I don't, I, I don't dislike Soul or anything like that. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just not as high on it as you guys are is all. I understand that you know I get that you know I, I understand that some people definitely don't feel the same way about me as like movies I'm not like one of those people who gets really freaked out when someone doesn't like a movie as much as I do uh, there's a lot of those people on TikTok where like you're like oh you know I like this movie but it's not my favorite and then someone's like how dare you say it's like yeah exactly. you know like uh, I'm like yeah that you know that's cool you know uh, to each is their own you know what well, what was your favorite Yes. And, and, and let me preface by saying, like, I gave Soul a positive review. It's in my top 10. Like, I am not a Soul hater oh, yeah. by any means. Oh, no, yeah. No, just, like, by you, no means. Yes. He, he loves that, that you agree with him on that. So uh, my favorite was Trial of Chicago 7. I, I think everything. You know, I haven't seen that yet either. So, oh, okay. Wow. That's definitely That's a must watch. That's definitely one of the bigger movies of 2020 for sure. You know, it's, it's I'm so lazy about it because it's on Netflix and I have Netflix and I know I should watch it. But then, you know, I'm like one of those classic cases of like, do I watch something new tonight or do I go to watch something that I know and I like? And that's like probably like a 30 minute TV show. And, you know, I can just like get lost into it. Uh, I usually go for that. But I know I need to watch Trial of the Chicago Seven at least before the Oscars. Happen, oh yeah, absolutely. So. That's that's still my favorite as far as the courtroom drama and making it so compelling and the performances just dominate, absolutely dominate. I hope the performances get quite a lot of love at the Oscars. Aaron Sorkin's but, such a great writer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was gonna say another one of our favorites. I don't know if you've seen it because it's come out pretty recently. Is Promising Young Woman. That was yeah. That was a complete shock. Um, the ending on that movie is like, wow. That was just actually that's gonna be like my upcoming date movie with my girlfriend. We haven't wow. seen it yet, but we've been really wow. meaning to watch it. I know that Carrie Mulligan gives like an amazing performance in it. Uh, she's awesome. I've, I'm such a big fan of hers. Uh, so I really can't wait to see it. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say definitely, definitely a fantastic movie. You'll have to let us know what what you think when you eventually check it out. 
honestly, I'm really slacking behind like the 2020 movies. You know, I just, okay, you know. it's been a bad year. Yeah, yeah. It's just been one of those strange years where I couldn't go to a movie theater. So like, yeah. I don't know, like there's just something about, you know, it's different, you know. Well, without without putting Promising Young Woman on, on too high of a pedestal for you, it's wild nonetheless. And, and I hope you enjoy it. Yeah. No, I'm I'm really excited to like dive into like these great 2020 movies that I haven't seen yet. I'm I'm gonna I'm definitely gonna do like a binge once I they're all available. So just kind of wrapping this up uh, as far as before we move on to our discussion, what's your personal favorite movie just all time? And then who's your personal favorite director of all time? Right. Just describing you. What what summarizes Dylan? Right. That is such a hard question because I am always changing my mind. Yeah. Like one day I wake up and I'm like, this is my favorite movie. I don't care what anyone says. And then the next day I wake up and you're like, mm, maybe not, you know, maybe this is my favorite movie. And it's so hard. But one movie I always go back to is Dazed and Confused. I love that movie so much. It is such a great film to me from start to finish and one that I can just rewatch over and over again and never have a problem with it you know never get tired of it uh, i love the performances in that movie i love how real and genuine it is um i love the soundtrack um i think all of the acting performances they feel like you know it's a high school coming of age film they all feel like they're in high school and you know they're just kids hanging out um and it's just it's just you know very unpolished to me you know it's very different from like the coming of age films that we have um so yeah that movie just really had a huge impact on me and still does to this day um richard linklater is such a talent um is, is and, that the movie where matthew mcconaughey's like all right, all right all right all right yeah okay okay I was gonna say, have you seen we, it? I was. We have not. Um, have you? Oh my god! No, you have but to watch it. I I am reading Greenlights, Matthew McConaughey's book, and he talks about it all the time. So it, it's it a must watch. Such now. a fun movie. Mm -hmm. It is so good. Um, I remember when I was in high school, I was watching a YouTube video with Tarantino in it, and he was going over like his top ten like favorite films of the past decade. I think it was like out at like 2000 or something like that. And he was like dazed and confused. And I was like, you know, I got to watch that because, you know, Tarantino recommended it. So, you know, this was at a time where I was like such a huge Tarantino fan. Like, uh, so I watched it and I was blown away. It was so good. And you can't go in expecting like a huge plot with like great revelations or anything. <laughs> it is nothing happens in the movie. It is just high schoolers hanging out partying and just like goofing off um and that sounds like how can you make like a movie like that and have it be interesting you know it seems like something that it wouldn't be that interesting and it is uh and that's because of the character interactions they're so great you know they're so real and genuine and funny and sometimes you know very relatable you know, I didn't grow up in the 70s in Texas, but I can definitely relate <laughs> to like high school dynamics and, you know, cliques and stuff like that. We've all experienced that. Um, so even though it's like a seven, it's a movie made in the 90s about the 70s in Texas, it's very much a timeless movie that I feel like everyone can watch and have some sort of experience to relate to it. Well, this is great. So we'll have to check that out and let you know our thoughts. Yeah. And then you let 
us know your thoughts on promising a woman then it's uh yeah yeah we'll have to do another episode where we come back and you know talk about the movies we recommended to each other yeah, yeah i'm i'm all for that so yeah, really. what about a director who's your favorite director whether that be personal or best or, or whatever i have so many but um i think one that has just like been a huge inspiration to get into film was martin scorsese like i remember reading a book about him in high school and being like, wow, this, this dude is awesome. And I want to be like him. And I want to be as passionate about movies as he is. Cause his life is so honestly interesting. Like, I think he was going to be involved in the church and like left and was like, I'm going to be in film. Um, and, you know, made all these really amazing movies. And, you know, he's just been such an inspiration to me as someone who wants to be as passionate about movies as like someone like him. Um, but lately, I think my favorite recent like director that, you know, has come out of the woodwork, you know, recently in the grand scheme of things is Denis Villeneuve, because he does not miss. None of his movies are bad. I was going to say Prisoners is is one of my favorite movies that is such Amazing. if if you like looked up underrated movies in the dictionary, that would be like the, the title card right there is Prisoners, because Denis I saw that. I saw that in high school and it was like one of those movies that I walked out of the theater and I, I got to go see it again. Yeah. And so like that same weekend I went back and saw it because I was just like, hey, that is such a good movie. I can't, I got to watch it again. It's, it's fantastic. I was going to say, I, I always feel that way about his movies too. Like I, I leave the theater and I'm like, that was great. I got to see it again. Yeah. Well, um, we, and... we're going to be talking about most anticipated and Denis is definitely going to show up on that list. Right. Right. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, Let's kind of transition into our discussion. So, so you wanted to talk about the impact that the pandemic has had on movies and, and movie making and the film industry as a whole. So well, why don't you kind of start us off with how the year 2020 and globally is changing the film industry? I'm just going to start off by saying that 2020 is just like, everyone just needs to take a breath and realize that was like one of the worst years ever. Like, yeah. um, I think a lot of people, you know, lost sight of that in terms of like movies and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, a lot of things happened with the film industry in 2020. Um, and honestly, I'm like the, before the pandemic happened, the last movie I saw was Rise of Skywalker. Oh, um, and you know, I don't know how you guys feel about the, that movie, but it is definitely not one of my favorites. Um, so, you know, I was going into 2020 really looking forward to some great up and coming movies. Um, and of course I was disappointed that I did not get to see many of them. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm also someone who totally understands, you know, what's going on. Mm -hmm. um, like I don't have a real need to go to a theater right now. I personally don't want the chance to get sick and potentially make my loved ones sick. You know, that to me is not worth going to see a movie in a theater. Um, and I think a lot of people have forgotten that, you know, a lot of people, especially with COVID, pretend that it's not as bad as it actually is. Yeah. Um, and so there's like this real need to go back to the way things were. Um, and I want to go see movies in theaters again. Don't get me wrong. Like, I can't wait to go back to that. But as someone who went to go see a movie during COVID, it's just not the same anymore. You know, like I went to see Tenet 
during the summer. And uh, it, I, I, I kind of regret it, to be honest. Um, it was an experience that I was kind of let down by, you know. First of all, there were no big franchise movie theaters open near me to play Tenet. Uh, so I had to drive like 40 minutes to find this like local theater that would play it. Um, and the theater was great. I was really appreciative of it being open and playing this movie that I had been really wanting to see for a long time. Um, and no complaints about the theater whatsoever. It was much more of an older theater though, you know, like the classic concession stand, uh, you know, the older seats and everything like that. You know, it wasn't a stadium. It was just like a, a slightly slanted floor um, and they had closed off rows. So, you know, you weren't sitting near anyone and they were like, oh, you know, you can take your mask off if you want to. I, I wasn't gonna do that though, because like, you know, it was in the middle of summer and things were yeah. bad. And, you know, I wasn't really comfortable eating in a theater or anything like that at that point. Um, but yeah, there was just something so much different about it. It wasn't the same as, you know, going to see a movie pre-pandemic. Um, and it honestly did not make me want to go back. You know, it was like, you know, it. so it's just, it was upsetting. Um, and especially since Tenet, you know, I, I liked it, but I wanted subtitles the entire time I was in the theater. Yeah. Uh, and I, I have to admit, I did not understand a majority of what was said in the film. Like mm -hmm. I really had to go based off of only like visuals and some words I got, but it was so hard for me to hear uh, what was being communicated between the characters. Um, so that was really disappointing on top of like the experience wasn't the same pre-pandemic. So, yeah. you know, it just made me just like kind of jaded with the whole experience. Um, and, you know, of course, I was hoping that, you know, sooner or later, we'd get back to the normal, but obviously, you know, that's not happening anytime soon. Right. Um, so when Warner Brothers decided to release their whole slate, both in theaters and on HBO Max, honestly, I welcomed it because I was like, how else are these movies going to get released? I mean, like, you know, you have all these upcoming movies that are coming out in these next couple of years, where are you going to place the 2020 movies, you know? Mm -hmm. Otherwise, we're just going to be holding up everything just to put these 2020 movies in theaters. Um, and, you know, COVID is horrible. Everyone has lost some aspect of their life or someone in their life. Um, so, you know, it's, it's upsetting that it's had to go this way where, you know, we have to put the movies on a streaming service. But, you know, it just is the situation um, and it's really made me a little mad at Christopher Nolan for how, you know, I, I just think he's been very critical of Warner Brothers and HBO Max because of their decision to do what they're doing. And I'm like, well, what would you do, Christopher Nolan? You know, like what, what I'm not seeing any uh, ideas being brought out by you to, you know, fix this. You know, it's just a bad situation. And yeah, I wish I could see these movies in theaters, but I'd rather see them at home right now because of the obvious problem with COVID. Um, it's funny. So I understand what's going on and I'm not that mad about it. You know, like as soon as it's okay to go back to theaters, I'm going to do that. But I'd rather not risk it at this point of the pandemic, especially when, you know, hopefully I'll be able to get a vaccine soon and everything like that. Uh, so 
I don't understand why everyone is, I understand that, you know, people are upset their movies can't be seen to like the potential they wanted to see it. But I think it's just like something that everyone's got to accept. This is terrible for everyone, you know, everyone is suffering in this pandemic. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll all be able to get back to some sort of normalcy soon and be able to go see movies again and enjoy it. But now is not the time to do that. It's funny, uh, pre-Tenant, everyone was saying Christopher Nolan is going to save theaters. Tenant is going to save theaters. And after Tenant, not bombed at the box office, but people wanted to stay home. People did not want to go to the movies. Yeah. It kind of didn't ruin theaters, but it, it definitely hurt them, especially with yeah. what's going on. Especially because and I, such a huge budget. I think the, the budget was over $200 million, so it had to make that and then some in the middle of a, a global pandemic to be successful. And it just didn't do that. Right. But I mean, right. Similar and to I by you. no means don't, it's not like I have anything against Christopher Nolan oh, or no, anything. He's one like of my that. favorite directors. Right. But um, I just thought his reaction was a little uncalled for, you know, just like, first of all, if you wanted, first of all, this is the studio's film. Now you decided to make the film for the studio. The studio can do what they want with that movie now. Um, so, you know, like, I don't understand why he's getting so mad at a studio that's paying him so much money. Like, he still walked away from that movie rather successfully. But, you know, it, it probably didn't do as well as he wanted to do. But, you know, Christopher Nolan, at the end of the day, is going to survive as a filmmaker. Um, I'm more concerned for the filmmakers who are smaller or haven't, you know, aren't as big as Christopher Nolan yet and don't have the opportunity to have their film in a theater in the first place. Like, how are they going to survive? You know, those are the filmmakers I'm worried about. And what I'm worried about is that after the pandemic, we're going to see this huge wave of big tentpole films. But what about like the indie and smaller films that, you know, mean a lot too? Yeah, really. I mean, when was the last time I mean, other than Black Panther, there's never been like a superhero movie, Star Wars franchise ever nominated. I mean, you talked about your your experience last in the theater before COVID with Rise of Skywalker. For Nathan and I, it was um, The Way Back, and which came out in 2020, Ben Affleck. And mm-hmm. it was such a surreal experience because we were in school. It was about to be spring break. It was like March 5th. We literally went to the theaters on our last night at school, came back, and we went our separate ways the next day for spring break. And we're like, all right, see you in a week. Like we didn't really get a true like goodbye. And then over spring break, it's like, you know, because of COVID we're extending spring break. We're going to do some online classes for a little bit. Oh, and then now we're going to do online classes for the rest of the semester. And then, you know, we're not going to, you know, have anything in person in fall as well. So now you have to virtually live in your apartment off campus and just kind of be there. And, and for, for that to be your last film in theaters, it was definitely like a surreal experience. I know that you feel the same. Yeah, and what he didn't mention is the way back opening night, first time it's available, we were the only ones in the theater. So maybe yeah. people were seriously taking the pandemic that seriously at the time, but it was also early March where yeah, a, lot like people, March 5th. a lot of people didn't know. Um, yeah, but- I was taking the pandemic pretty seriously uh, before March. Like, I was really nervous about it coming over to the U.S. Yeah. Um, so I'm also like someone who's super 
paranoid about illnesses <laughs> and stuff like that. So I was following it pretty closely in terms of like the news and everything around it. Um, so yeah, yeah, I was, you know, I remember at one point, like around March, like what you were saying, where my girlfriend and I went to a bar and we were sitting there and I was just like, what if like, we can't do this in like a week? I was like, I said yes. that to her and, you know, there was no knowing what was going to happen at that point. People were like, oh, maybe we stay in our houses for two weeks and then go back to normal. Yeah, well, it was January 31st, I remember. I went and saw Little Women, Little Women by myself for the second time in theaters. And I literally sat, it was like this older couple, and they literally, I was the only one in the theater. They came and they sat like two seats away from me. And they were like, oh, they just start talking to me, you know, you know how older people are. But they start talking to me and they're like, oh, you hear about this coronavirus? And I was like, yeah, I mean, I heard a little bit about it, but like not, you know hopefully it, it goes away and they're like yeah well we have family and we just went to wuhan like a month ago or so in in december and and we That's have family so there and i was wow. like i was like what if you have covid and you give it to me and like back then it was kind of like not even in the u.s yet like it really wasn't a big thing i literally was like what if i get covid because of these people and <laughs> like i literally remember like two weeks after that i was like well i'm not infected i'm good and I didn't yeah. expect it to be like this big thing. And now here we are 11 months in about to be a year into a global pandemic. And it's like crazy. I don't think anyone expected it to be this long, um, you know, and it's, you know, I, it's been a bad situation for everyone and it is really sad, but it's also been a great opportunity for me to watch more movies and, you know, have more time at home with, my my girlfriend and our dog so I'm really thankful to have that um and I know not everyone has that in this time and you know it's it's really hard for everyone um and I don't see my family that much because of it either so you know it's it's been hard but you know I I have found some positive moments of like oh you know I've been able to watch so many more movies and I can talk about them on my TikTok now I have time for that where I didn't have time for that before yeah, there, um, was, there was times over summer where I, before I started working, where I literally would watch like three or four movies a day and just like hang them out and just write my reviews on Letterboxd and, and go to the next one. Like it was just literally like, I think I watched all of Nolan's films like in, in like three days because I just had yeah. time on my hands. Yeah. My, I mean, my girlfriend and I don't even really go out. We, we do like the essential things where like, you know, we go shopping for the stuff we need and you know, maybe we'll get a coffee every once in a while, but we really, we don't go out and eat at restaurants. We don't do anything that, you know, anything that risky. Uh, so yeah, watching movies and TV has become a big thing for us of like, what are we going to watch next? And, you know, it's been a great opportunity to, you know, watch stuff as a couple and, you know, still, you know, have all these opportunities to watch great movies. Well, let's uh, get a little more positive. <laughs> as yeah, we, yeah. we talked about COVID and the impact it's had on the world, our lives and, and movies, but getting a little more positive, um, we, you specifically wanted to talk about upcoming releases, things that most anticipated for the next few years haven't been released and whether it's 2020 movies that still haven't dropped yet, whether it's 2021 movies that got pushed or whether it was something that we knew was coming, but finally has release dates. There's so much to talk about. So Dylan, why don't you start us off with wherever you want to start with that? Right. Well, 
and I don't know when this movie is going to be released. There is no telling of when it's going to be released. So I don't know. It's definitely not going to be 2021. Uh, it might be 2022, depending on how things go in 2021. But the movie I am most excited to see is The Batman, uh, directed by Matt Reeves and starring yeah. Robert Pattinson. Potentially the best trailer I've ever seen. Um, oh my God, that trailer, like... It's crazy. It was so great. It we, was so meaningful. Nick and I don't watch trailers anymore because we think in today's world it spoils too much of the movie. Um, Just Mercy is the prime example of that. But that. we we decided Why not? we just we just don't want to watch trailers. We just don't want to. But Batman as a character means so much to me. The Dark Knight at the time was my favorite movie. There's so much hype about this. So we said, you know what? The Batman and Dune, that's it. We can make exceptions for those two movies. We'll watch those trailers, exceptions. but nothing else. So we did watch the Batman trailer, and yeah. it is just out of this world crazy. I, I'm so glad you decided to lead off with that. I think I mean, it virtually gave nothing away about the movie yeah. itself. You know, you just know that it's Batman in like one of the beginning years of his career, and the Riddler is the villain with the Penguin and Catwoman. And that's about it. What I love about this movie, obviously we haven't seen it, but what I love about this movie is is the casting so far. I think Jeffrey Wright is one of the most underrated actors in Hollywood, especially after, for what I see, I have seen him do on Westworld. I think he makes a perfect Jim Gordon. Andy Serkis as Alfred. I know a lot of people wanted him to be Penguin, but Matt Reeves threw that little curveball at us and had him sign on as Alfred. And then Paul Dano. I mean, we talked about prisoners already. Paul Dano is just fantastic in everything he's in. So that cast alone gets me excited. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, the cast is probably the biggest draw. You know, like, first of all, Robert Pattinson, I know people have been, like, very concerned about him as Batman. But I don't know how you don't watch that trailer and not be like, that's Batman, you know? Like... That to me was like, I see him as Batman, but I knew he was going to be a great Batman because post Twilight, the man's had a great career. Like he's done some really great roles, like good time. Like Robert Pattinson is virtually unrecognizable in that role. Um, So like, I was so excited to hear him being cast as Bruce Wayne and Batman. And I saw so many people like, I don't want this dude from Twilight being in my <laughs> Batman movie. And I was just like, watch, wait for the trailer. Just like, wait. And then everyone saw the trailer. And then all of a sudden, everyone was like, yeah, Robert Pattinson's going to be the best Batman. And I was like, I told you. Yeah. No one wanted to listen. I was going to say, I mean, we, we talked about TikTok. And just I want to throw this little tidbit in because Film Talk has like maybe five or ten movies where everybody – loves them loves them so nathan and i we watched uh david fincher's filmography and one of the most hyped up films of film talk was seven we were so hyped going into that um i feel like there's been a few other films that have been hyped up to that level because of film tiktok one of those is good time we still have not seen good time but i feel like that seven um, Nightcrawler for some weird reason with Jake Gyllenhaal like screaming in the mirror and breaking it that's the that's the scene you always see but like film TikTok is good for like hyping up movies and like introducing you to films that you probably would never watch like Good Time right right and I watched Good Time I 
when it was released uh, and you know it wasn't being that much by many people but uh, robert pattinson fantastic in it like yeah. a performance that i was totally not expecting from him um and it's the reason why i went to go see uncut gems because i was like i like good time so much i, I gotta see uncut gems now yeah, I was gonna say that, that we we have a, a massive list watch list. It'd probably be like to the floor to the ceiling long. We'll have to find some time in that. But we talked about good cast in the Batman. I want to talk about easily probably the best cast in a long time, and that's that's Denis Villeneuve. Can I guess it? Uh, wait, 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 I thought you, you all the, I was gonna say don't look up the Adam McKay movie. That yeah. has an insane cast. Yeah, that but, has an insane. Yes, yeah, so let's talk about Dune. Dune, I am so excited for Dune. Timothy Chalamet is probably my second favorite actor behind um, Leo. I love Timothy Chalamet in um, Little Women. I thought he was fantastic in that. Um, and this cast, I mean, Rebecca Ferguson, Oscar Isaac, Josh Brolin, Stalin Starsgard, Dave Bautista, Zendaya, like Jason Momoa, Javier Bardem. Like, can how is this how is this going to be balanced that that's my number one question i mean this this cast is crazy crazy and denis villeneuve we trust you know like yeah exactly like i is a fantastic sci-fi movie uh blade runner we both love blade runner so i mean i'm so interested to see what he does have you seen the original dune Uh, i have seen it yes i have not read the book um i actually have the book but I've never attempted to read it. Um, but I have seen the movie, uh, you know, the, the David Lynch movie, which was, you know, it's definitely, definitely a movie, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's, it's not one of my favorites. Uh, but uh, yeah, you know, Denny Villeneuve is someone who goes into a world and just puts such a unique spin behind it. Um, I love Arrival. I love Blade Runner 2049. Like every one of his movies for me has not missed like and is worth seeing in theaters so even though dune is coming to hbo max i will probably try to go see that in theaters because i want to support him as a filmmaker you know he's really not done me wrong this far so you know why give up on him now or anything like that the only time that he's let me down is uh the like first couple movies that he's done like the all the french ones those those weren't my jam (laughs) those were like very early but I'm do you not like gonna... enemy do i like what enemy with jake joan hall it's okay uh i think i gave it like three love and that movie so i mean i love that movie. i feel like that's one of those movies where you like watched a couple times and then maybe it starts to grow on you um well like... i've seen it a lot yeah it's, yeah it's one of, yeah the first time i watched that i was like what did i just watch you know yeah, like exactly. especially with that last scene yeah, you know exactly that ending <laughs> you're just like oh okay you sound like your friends that don't watch movies you're like yeah it was good <laughs> yeah. yeah but, but I mean, then you know it encouraged me to really like dive into that movie deeper and find out as much as i could about it um and i've watched it several times since and it's it's a really good film. I think one of his most underrated. Yeah, um, and I think that's something that Denis do, does so well is just kind of setting up the scope and the scale of his stories. In Prisoners, I think he does a fantastic job with with like the dialogue of of Jake Gyllenhaal's character has never not caught somebody, and that sets up that character. And and there's all these big you know manhunts. And I think the perfect example is an Arrival where. You know, Amy Adams 
his character is is at her her university and like everybody's freaking out about this alien invasion it's all over the news like that's just such great setup and from a world like dune i'm really interested to see what denis does yeah it's probably it's one of my most anticipated of 2021 definitely yeah um and I think the visuals are going to be just as amazing as potentially the plot. You know, Denny Villeneuve proved with Blade Runner 2049 that he can make like these visually immersive worlds that are just like so incredible to look at. I mean, that like desert scene yeah. in Las Vegas That's is probably the most like, iconic. Yeah, it's amazing. I was going to say, I don't think that they've, um, I don't know if you're on Letterboxd, but I don't think they've um, come out and said who the cinematographer is for that, but I believe that. He's worked with um, Roger Deakins in the past with Blade Runner and uh, Prisoners. So hopefully they work together again and produce a, a fantastic and beautiful film. Nathan, you want to share right. one? Well, I, I'd love to have you go, Dylan. We've told ours. Well, actually, you said the Batman, but go ahead and give us another one. Um, I'm really looking forward to Don't Look Up. And we haven't seen anything about that based only. Uh, we've only seen a few seconds yeah. of it in the like upcoming Netflix trailer move like uh movie like trailer like snippets it's like a whole compilation of different trailers uh i don't know what to call it but um i think the cast is incredible i mean you got leonardo dicaprio you got jennifer lawrence you got jonah hill you got chris evans you've got meryl streep you've got like weird names like kid cuddy and ariana (laughs) grande uh, you got Timothy Chalamet. You Damn, know, I didn't like, know Timothy Chalamet was in this. Sign me up. The, I'm ready. The cast is endless, and I am so excited about it because I think Adam McKay is such a great director. Um, the Big Short is one of my favorite films, um, and I thought he did a really great job with that movie. And the cast of The Big Short is amazing, too. So, yeah. you know, he's been known to have some really great casts in his movies. I mean, with Vice... He had Christian Bale again and, you know, Amy Adams and Steve Carell. But this one is definitely his most uh, diverse cast yet um, in terms of who's on board to do that. And I'm just wondering, like, how there's so many people in this movie. Like, are they going to play minor roles? Like, I know that Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence are probably the leads, but like Meryl Streep, like, what are you going to do with her? Like, I want to know, you know, I'm so eager to see more about it. Well, I, I'm I'm sorry to do this, but we're talking great casts, and I have to go with the movie that doesn't even have a title yet. But this cast just, oh my god, it excites me so much. And that's David O. Russell's upcoming film. And I'll be the I'll be the first one to say I'm not the biggest David O. Russell fan. I've seen all of his movies, so I definitely can talk about that. I love American Hustle. We both do. That's yeah. one of our all time favorite movies. And there's only a couple more I like, Silver Linings Playbook, The Fighter, and the rest I'm just not personally a huge fan of. Um, I heart Huckabees. <laughs> I was going to say, that's that's not to denote anyone that yeah, is. Yeah, that one missed me. But I just, I wasn't a big fan of of a majority of his films. But you're telling me you run out Christian Bale, Margot Robbie, Rami Malek, John David Washington, Robert De Niro, Zoe Zaldana, Anya Taylor-Joy, Timothy Oliphant, Michael Shannon, Mike Myers. I mean, it's just so... It's an incredible cast. It's so crazy. And it's, I joke all the time, like, you're getting this legendary cast together just to give it to David O. Russell. <laughs> but yeah. I hope he American can... American Hustle is great, though. He's great at handling bigger casts. 
Um, he is. Silver Lining, Silver Lining's playbook is one of my favorite romantic comedies. Um, so, you know, hopefully it's not a miss, uh, you know, but like I, I at least know that with a cast like that, at least the performances will be entertaining. Right, um, right. And, and that's not to, to slander David O. Russell or anything like that. I'm just personally not a huge fan of his whole filmography. There's only a few that I like, but that cast alone, you know, we could talk about the Dune cast. I know Nick's probably going to talk about another movie with a great cast and, yeah. and don't look up, but that one's going to take the cake for me by far. Yeah, I mean, I I'm just, yeah, I'd like to know more about it. Yeah, I'm. I mean, uh, I think you you said it earlier how how David O. Russell is good at handling a lot of talent. I think the best person in Hollywood at handling a lot of talent is Wes Anderson. Um, not the biggest fan of Wes Anderson. Love Grand Budapest Hotel though, um, but the French Dispatch has me excited for Bill Murray, Benicio Benicio del Toro, Francis McDormand, Jeffrey Wright, Adrian Brody, Tilda Swinton. Owen Wilson, Timothy Chalamet, uh, Liv Schreiber, Elizabeth Moss, Edward Norton, Willem Dafoe, Christoph Waltz, Saoirse Ronan. I mean, the list. Jason yeah, that, Schwartzman. Really I mean, about he, that. the king, the king, the king of, of getting cameos is king. Wes Anderson. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. He gets Frances McDormand two-time, maybe even three-time best actress at the Oscar winner to to get Moonrise Kingdom for like a minute of screen time which is just crazy like ha- this man must pay like pennies on the dollar for for this otherwise the budget would be like 600 million for the cast like that right right he's i love the visuals of west anderson movies like yeah. you said they're not all you know great in terms of story or anything like that like i like some more than <laughs> others uh but always a guarantee that you're going to be visually mesmerized by his yeah. films um, my my personal favorite of his is the Royal Tenenbaums. Um, I really miss when Russ, Wes Anderson was doing R-rated films. Um, I wish he would do more of those because uh, the Royal Tenenbaums just has more of a realistic vibe to me than his other movies do, even though it has like the normal flair of Wes Anderson movies. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I think, you know, I'd like to see a rated R Wes Anderson movie. You know, I think that's something that I would look forward to. There are so many movies that are coming out that are unexpectedly R. Like I was not expecting the Snyder Cut to be rated R or, you know, like anything like that. And I think, you know, the Batman has the chance of being R possibly, you know, like it looked certainly very, very dark from the trailer. Um, And then, you know, you got the Suicide Squad coming out soon, which also has a very insane cast. And that was rated R as well. So, you know, you're seeing more and more directors being like, okay, I'm, I'm not going to stick to the PG or PG-13 narrative. I want to do something a little bit more grounded in reality. Uh, and I, I really enjoy that. I can't. I like when a movie that you don't expect to be rated R is rated R. Yeah, I think the, the either the biggest or the first to do so was Logan. Mm-hmm. To, to turn it into R, I mean, Wolverine is slashing. That was mind-blowing. Yeah, that he was slashing up people in X Men, but it wasn't really that that like R rated. And then all of a sudden he's cutting people's arms off, and like, yeah, you're just like, holy shit! Like this is this is R. This was possible the entire time. You're like, really? why didn't you do this in the first place? Exactly, exactly. So um, yeah, no, I feel I want a rated R Batman movie though. I, yeah. I really do, and I I don't I feel like I'm not gonna get what I want with the Snyder cut. So I hope that we hope the so. Batman is. I, I, how are you looking forward to the Snyder Cut? I do want to know about that. It's funny. We did a DCEU ranking a couple weeks ago, 
and I said, I, I feel like I'm trapped with they keep baiting me and or excuse me, I must be a fool. I, I just must be a fool to keep getting excited for DCEU movies because yeah. you get excited for for Wonder Woman 1984 and I did not like that movie. And that, Total letdown. Yeah, it's just, I must be a fool to keep getting excited for all these DC movies because personally, I, I think the best one is average and there's a ton of letdowns for me personally, but I'm really excited for Snyder Cut. Trust me, we're going to be here the first time we can carve out four hours to watch it. <laughs> we will be here. I'm so excited. I think it's just such a cool story that this can happen. His... Everything going on behind the scenes, they they listen to the audience, they're letting this happen. And I think that in and of itself is is such a huge accomplishment and milestone for cinema in general, um, regardless of what big. the final product looks like. I, I'm just not getting my hopes too high because like yeah. you're like so yeah, so many people being like I've seen so many people be like, This is gonna be the most epic superhero thing ever. And I'm like, are it's Zack Snyder, like you know, like <laughs> You know, he's good, but I wouldn't call him like an all-time great director who has made masterpiece after masterpiece. Like, you know, he's yeah. had some some good movies, but I wouldn't ever say like excellent, like top of the line movies. So I'm not going to get like overly excited about it. I hope I'm proved wrong and that there is like a really big vision behind it and that it's really good. That would be awesome. A great surprise. But then also I saw the other day that he is including Jared Leto's Joker, which was never originally a part of his plan in the first place. <laughs> so I'm like, what, why are you doing that? Why, why were you adding him? You know, like right. what, what was the purpose of that? Maybe there's I hope there's a really good purpose squad. behind it. I hope there is a good purpose behind it. But, you know, it's stuff like that that I hear where I'm like, okay, maybe not. You know, like, again, I hope I'm proved wrong. So there is one big movie that, uh, we don't, we won't be getting for a few years, but I do want to hear your opinion of it. And, and if you were the top decision maker, what would you do? And that's Black Panther too. And obviously, given the tragedy that happened with with Chadwick and everything, they still decide to make a movie. You're the head decision maker. You're Kevin Feige. W- what are you doing with Black Panther two? Chadwick Boseman made that role his, um, and you know. I think that's, you know, a lot of people like like to fawn over Michael B. Jordan's performance in Black Panther 1. But to me, I thought Chadwick Boseman's performance was almost as powerful. Um, and I thought he brought, brought a lot of great character to that respected character. So at first, when I heard of his death, first of all, I was so saddened to hear it. It was a huge blow to my heart and you know, I was never expecting that, you know? Um, so, you know, at first, you know, there's this huge scramble of like, what are we going to do? You know, like he only had one movie of his own and, you know, he was in other movies, but they weren't his movies. Uh, so like, what do you do with a character who's like so new to the MCU and people definitely want to see more of. Um, so I respect Kevin Feige for, what I know they're planning to discontinue the character of T'Challa, um, which, you know, I think that's fine. You know, there could be a new Black Panther, but it doesn't necessarily have to be T'Challa. Um, I'm fine with letting that character go because I think it's so much Chadwick Boseman's role. And I don't think any actor would want to take away from that. Um, 
especially because it's like not the same as like the Joker or anything like that. Right. Um, you know, the joke, there has been many interpretations of the Joker in the past and you know that there will be more in the future, but this was our first live action interpretation of Black Panther. So it's much more different. Um, so yeah, I agree. I don't think there needs to be a continuation of T'Challa. I just think they need to figure out the best way to give closure to his story because, you know, we know that Chadwick Boseman is gone, but we don't know that how T'Challa uh, ultimately goes. So um, I would be much more focused on telling a story that respectfully brings closure to his arc um, without taking away from his work or anything like that. Um, so I'm on board, you know, if they want to bring Shuri in and make her the next Black Panther, I'll, I'll go see it, you know, like I, I thought she was great. Um, I'll, I'll do anything that they want to do, you know? So if I were Kevin Feige, I would focus on telling a story that continues the legacy of Black Panther, but doesn't necessarily continue the legacy of T'Challa because that was so important. Yeah. And, and I think, um, we actually were watching Moonrise Kingdom when, when it happened and it kind of totally took us out of the film, but I mean, it's, it's, that's, I think that's the most important thing is what you said is you have to handle it with respect you really have to write them off in a way that is not going to upset a lot of people and, and really look insensitive to Chadwick Boseman and his legacy with Black Panther. I think mm -hmm. with Black Panther, would... like, like you mentioned, is that there's multiple Black Panthers. Like his father was Black Panther. There's going to be more Black Panthers before. There's Black Panthers in the past. So I think with that, there's plenty of different ways. I think it could go to Shuri's way. I think that'd be really cool. But I mean, the MCU never brings back people who are dead. So mm -hmm. I mean, that will never happen. But yeah. I think it would be so cool for them to bring back Killmonger and make that a um, redemption arc for, for Michael it's B. Big, Jordan. I mean, Michael B. Jordan and, and Ryan Coogler are fantastic working together. Fruitvale Station and, you know, Creed and, of course, Black Panther. Like, they have a history of working together and, and they always get mm -hmm. the best out of each other. So I think it'd be really cool to see Killmonger kind of come back. And I think it happens in the comments. I think I saw Straw Hat say that on, on one yeah. of the TikToks and, and obviously the, the movies aren't comics, but I just think that'd be such a cool redemption. That's definitely a possibility. And I also, something that I haven't seen going around a lot is like Daniel Kaluuya could definitely take yeah, over the role. I mean, story. he's already in it and he could take over as his character. He doesn't have to be recast as T'Challa. Like he's already in the movie and he's a great actor. So if they wanted to give him the mantle of Black Panther, you know, I I would be happy to see that. That's and, fine with me. And Winston Duke, too. Winston Duke originally true, fought, very true. fought for the throne in the movie. But I'm with Nick on, on the Michael B. Jordan theory. That's what oh, I would Michael do Michael B. Personally. Jordan's awesome. You, yeah, have, like, you have the opportunity to do something that honors Chadwick in real life and does not disrespect him and also do something that makes sense in the movies. In the movies... Sure, they can bring him back to life. And I have no problem doing that because the MCU does that whenever they get the chance. Right, right. And you give the heroes now fallen and is, or the villain is now fallen and is now the hero. Of course, that's a great redemptive arc. But also, Michael B. Jordan and, and Chadwick Boseman were great friends in real life. So I'm sure Michael yeah, B. I Jordan mean, would, would consider it an honor to, to play that character. Yeah, really, the opportunities are endless in the directions they could go. I just honestly hope. And I don't know how you guys felt about this because I know you guys didn't like Rise of Skywalker like I did. Uh, I didn't like it either. But um, Leia's ending just was so 
disappointing to me. And I know that they couldn't really do anything since she had died and they still yeah. hadn't finished her character. But um, it just really didn't make that much sense to me uh, in terms of like, you know, concluding that massive character arc. Mm -hmm. Like Leia is one of the most important Star Wars characters. And it just was very like, I don't know how to even describe her death in that movie. It's just so like out of the blue and like very, of, like very vague. Yeah. Um, and and so I, hope I just that, hope they don't do something like that. Yeah, like, where, like, I hope you they, know, they don't do something like, I don't know if you ever watched the show Glee, um, but Corey Monteith like died in the, the middle of, of that series. And Finn was like a main character and they just kind of were like, yep he's he's not in the show anymore all right let's move on and they really right yeah spend time on it i doubt that they would do that for chadwick because he's such a integral part of the future for the mcu or was and i i doubt that they're just kind of like yeah he he died um and here's here's this little thing all right back to black panther i i doubt that they do that right no there's gotta be a story around yeah. what happens to his character and why it happened to his character it's gotta make sense and, you know, Kevin Feige, he's a smart guy. So I think that they'll be able to work something out, especially with like Ryan Coogler, who is coming back to direct the film. So um, obviously I know Ryan Coogler definitely had a vision for what was probably going to be Black Panther 2. And he's probably really had to like completely think of something new because of what happened. Um, but, you know, I have faith in these guys. They're great. They're great workers. Like Ryan Coogler is a great director and Kevin Feige, you know, he hasn't let me down personally. You know, I know not everyone's as big of an MCU fan as I am, but I really think Kevin Feige's done a great job so far. Absolutely. Well, it's been so great having you on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Hopefully we were able to, to give everyone a, a taste of what's to come for upcoming releases and kind of give them a look back to it at the year 2020, which I don't know why anyone would want to do that, but <laughs> right. <laughs> nonetheless, uh, Dylan, thank you so much for joining us. Tell everyone where they can find you, your TikTok pages, how they can interact with you. Right. Uh, if you want to find my personal page, it's Dylan.AV. And for my Cinema Nation page, it's just at Cinema Nation. Um, they're both very easy profiles to find. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, check those out if you want to and learn more about movies and talk more about movies. But thank you so much for having me on here today. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. It was great for us to, to talk movies with someone who is just as passionate as we are. And you're my favorite TikTok uh, account that I follow. I know yeah, one of yours it. as well. So thank you so much. And not if you want to, you absolutely have to go check out his TikTok pages, so much great stuff over there. You can watch videos for hours and, and never get bored of your content. So thank you so much. From us, this has been Film Code. Hopefully you can check out our other episodes, however you're listening to this. There's plenty of content. We have hours of content for you to listen to with interviews, side segments, and full-fledged episodes. Dylan, once again, thank you so much for joining us. Nick, thank yes, you, for, thank you for doing this interview with me as well. This has been Film Code, guys. Thank you so much for listening.